It's a modern day Cinderella story, but this time she's got executive skills. Today's episode is Working Girl versus Made in Manhattan. everyone and welcome back to another episode of movie deja vu the podcast that answers the question didn't i see this somewhere from two movie aficionados i'm your hard-working low-class gal with gumption shady and with me is my bitch of a boss john it's true i am the bitch <laughs> no lies detected that. here <laughs> take that as a compliment because that means you are either sigourney weaver or natasha richardson can I be Sigourney Weaver? Can mm-hmm. I be a combination of the two, Sigourney Richardson? <gasps> yes. Which, hey, here's a fun fact. Uh, today we're discussing a Melanie Griffith movie. And last week we did a Dakota Johnson movie. That's her daughter. Yay! We didn't, we didn't plan that. That just kind of happened. No. And this is also, um, I don't know how many of you remember but a while ago, Lauren Gismondi sent us a shit ton of suggestions. And this is another one of those. So hooray. Thanks, Lauren. Yes, thank you. Friend um, of the pod. Come back on the pod. Yes. Open invitation for anything. Well, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to John about it. He'll figure it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'll run it by Shady and she'll just be like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> so if we uh, want to start getting into these movies... The first one, Working Girl, came out in 1988, the best year. It's uh, such a good year. Uh, written by Kevin Wade, directed by Mike Nichols. It has a Rotten Tomato score of 84% fresh and a Metacritic score of 73 out of 100. And that's out of 17 reviews. 14 positive, 2 mixed, 1 negative. The IMDb summary is... When a secretary's idea is stolen by her boss, she seizes an opportunity to steal it back by pretending she has her boss's job. I got a question. I know we're not really like talking about the movies yet, Mm -hmm. but is it like, did Sigourney Weaver actually steal the idea or do, I mean, because there's a moment where she's like, I have to pass it as my idea because they trust me or whatever the, the, whatever the monologue is. And I was just like, I kind of get that. I kind of do too, except the, it seems, first of all, like she only said that because she realized the email was pulled up on her computer. So Tess could have seen it. So she was like, oh shit, got to cover my tracks. Mm, And then also, I forget what exactly it was. She said that like, oh, Harrison Ford is like super careful about this stuff because of something that happened before. Oh, right. Because he fucked somebody over. Right. Right. And then Tess asked him about that before. And he was like, no, that never happened. No, she crazy bitch. Right. <laughs> so. And speaking of crazy bitches. <laughs> all right. 2002, we've got Made in Manhattan. Written by. Okay. It's got a story by John Hughes, but he used his uh, pseudonym, Edmund Dantes. And I do have more to say about that later. And that's why I included it on the outline. Because I was just like, this is fascinating. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the screenplay that they used in the movie is by Kevin Wade. 
That name sounds so familiar, Shady. Wow, crazy about that, huh? And it was directed by Wayne Wang. Um, has a Rotten Tomato score of 38% splat and a Metacritic score of 45 out of 100. And that is out of 32 reviews. Seven were positive, 19 were mixed, and six were negative. And the IMDb summary is a senatorial candidate falls for a hotel maid thinking she is a socialite when he sees her trying on a wealthy woman's dress. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's the thing. So like you said in the intro, they're both like Cinderella, a Cinderella story in a way. Not yeah. the movie, a Cinderella story, but <laughs> I mean, we already did Cinderella's, but these are like real life Cinderella's. Yeah, these are much more grounded. They're contemporary. And what's interesting about both of them is a very strong focus is on these women's like career progression. Like right, and their, their ambitions. It's like not really a rom-com, but there is a rom-com element to it. But the it the uh Made in Manhattan also kind of reminded me of um surprisingly Dakota Johnson's story in uh <laughs> How to Be Single. Yeah. Because like, you know, she she wanted to break it off to figure out her life in a way, and she's focused on that. And both of them. Uh, both um, Melanie Griffith and JLo are like, I mean, love is fine. Hooking mm-hmm. up with ho- hooking up with the hot male lead is okay, but like, I just want a career. Yeah, which I think is really interesting, and I do think like you know that's a very modernized take on Cinderella, where it's not like, oh, the happy ending is that she married the rich guy. The happy ending is that she was able to further her career on her terms. And also, hey, I get to have this fun romance. That's fun, too. Right. Like, it, it's not the emphasis right. on it. Although I wonder, is there a movie like these where the women are out for, like, a better paying job that has little to no romance in the story? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you don't have to answer this right now. But, like, you know. No, I, I'm, I'm sure there are. I just can't really think of any. Uh, like off the top of my head, because there's usually at, at least as a subplot, there's usually a romance. But I think what's interesting about these two, given that the romance is still pretty prominent in both of them, it's not just the career story. But a lot of times in movies about women, like r- movies that would fall under the rom-com genre Uh, that are also about career women working on their ambitions. A lot of times it's like, oh, you have to choose the career or the man. And it feels like the main conflict is that those two things can't exist together. Like, oh, you can't, you can't be a happily married wife and a mother and also have this great career. Um, Or be a single woman. How dare you be a single woman in a movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, I really liked, but I really liked that both of these movies, uh, focus on the woman getting a man and not, not because she needs it. She doesn't need to be with him. She just happened to fall in love with him and also getting the job, um, with those two things, not really being in conflict with each other. It's not the career or man, uh, conflict that we're really used to. You know, Um, it's really interesting. (laughs) what's that the writer's a male yeah (laughs) like 
what the fuck? <laughs> All right, do you have any more? Because I have a I have another point that I want to bring up. Yeah, Speaking of the it. writer, yeah, I felt like both of these movies were very dry in a way, like. They yeah. were they were a little too lingering on scenes, especially like in Made in Manhattan when um, she's getting ready for that event. <laughs> oh, the dinner. The, 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 yeah, the dinner. The or whatever it was. $2,500 a plate dinner or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and but like but right before then, her fellow maid friends, they're starting to sing. And that's that went on for like a little too long, in my opinion. Yeah, that was a little odd. And also weird. because it's like they started singing and then we hear the song on the soundtrack, but they're not like, it's not, it's non-diegetic. It's not like they're listening to it on the radio. They're, they're just dancing to nothing in their yeah. world. They're like, <laughs> woo, yeah, oh yeah. And then we hear it's like, I'm coming out or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so that's Like great. that would have made sense if that was playing on a radio and then they turned the volume up and we're like, we're going to dance now. But like Working Girl also had uh, very much like real time moments. And it was like, did, did we read this? Also, I mean, both movies had like real time moments. Cause like in the beginning, when we see JLo running to work in Made in Manhattan, uh, you know, she stops and buys a coffee and like a Danish or whatever. And you see yeah. her like drink and eat it for the next, what seems like five minutes, but it's <laughs> probably like two. Yeah, no, they're, um... And in some ways I appreciated it. Like in some ways I really uh, was like, oh, this is nice and naturalistic and feels, it doesn't feel heightened. Um, and it's like kind of nice to like see these women's like uh, daily lives in a very realistic way that doesn't really feel that much like a movie. But at the same time, it's like, okay, can we get to the story though? Can we, can we just keep, keep going? Can we, yeah. can we keep going? Like, Cause like Harrison Ford doesn't show up for like 30 minutes into yeah. Working Girl. And oh it's like, God. I thought you were the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you notice, he gets top billing in that movie. Sigourney Weaver gets second billing. Melanie Griffith, who is definitely the lead, is only third billed. And I know it's because she was like less of a star than the other two at the time. Yeah. But that's like- but it's so her movie. She's in almost every scene. Uh, mm -hmm. And Sigourney Weaver is out for half of it. And then Harrison Ford, like you said, doesn't show up for a half. It's like 35 minutes in. Like I checked, it was like over 35 minutes before like you see him. And at first you don't even see his face. It's like 36 minutes when you see his face. Although what I really appreciated about that movie um, is that we get a female gaze moment where mm. he when he's taking when Harrison Ford's taking the shirt off and all the women are like <laughs> lusting after him in his office yeah <laughs> and like I'm I'm happy they that, cheering I'm I'm happy though that they did that and they didn't do that subject our female leads to anything like that in yeah a way. well and it is interesting because Melanie Griffith does go topless at one point in this movie. Um, yeah, but it's done a couple times actually. Yeah, but it's not done in a gazy way. It's done in a very like no, it's natural for her to take her shirt off. And actually, the the visual focus of the scene is like the characters' faces and their emotions. <laughs> oh no! The other time she goes topless is when she's cleaning up Sigourney Weaver's place. 
Yeah, but I've done that too. (laughs) Right. But like, again, it's natural. It's not like I'm sexy cleaning, you know, it's like, no, I'm cleaning and I have to clean every, every square inch of this. Yeah. And it's not the, it's not gazy in the sense that like the camera is like lingering on her body and like moving up it or whatever and objectifying her. It's keeping her fully in view, which means that like we see her face, our focus is on her face, not her body. Right. And it's, it, it's not jarring because you kind of just accept it. Yeah. Cause like, you're, you're just like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. You want to like clean every inch of this apartment that you've been like (laughs) staying in. Right. You've been stealing clothes out of the closet for, which is another similarity between both of these movies. Oh yeah. Yeah. The stealing of clothes or borrowing really. I felt so bad for JLo. I really at felt, that moment. I know I did too. Cause that was not her choice. Her friend pressured her into it. Well, they both have that too, where it's like, okay, so, you know, well, Melanie Griffith though, did it herself. Like, yeah. As much as I love Joan Cusack in that movie, Joan Cusack had nothing to do with like the trajectory of Melanie Griffith's career. Absolutely Joan Cusack not. was trying, she... was trying to like reel her backwards to yeah. go back to Alec Baldwin, who by the way, dickhead. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was real hot at that time, though. No, I meant the character, dickhead. Yeah, no, I know. I, I'm just saying he was hot too. Well, yeah, but but dickhead. I mean, <laughs> he, he was. Ha- he, she walked in on him having sex with somebody else. <laughs> His first response to it is, "It's not what it looks like." Oh, she oh. fell and her clothes fl- flipped off and then she landed on your dick and you both started laughing about it. That's what happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, in both in both movies, in a way, there's kind of like gaslighting happening to our main character. Uh-huh. And, 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 and sexism. And I mean, in J-Lo's case, racism. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, oh, yeah. movies! <laughs> <laughs> um. Which I know that had to have been like late additions, but it helps so much. But spoiler alert for special features, the actresses considered for the part before J-Lo were all white women, at least Mm. as far as I found in my research. So like clearly the part was originally written for a white woman, but like it feels like it adds so much more that it's not a white woman. Because then when they, when she goes in on his politics about, you know, the uh the people of color in the bronx and the projects and everything mm-hmm. and she's like that's great that you have the speech but like i live there so yeah she's like that's yourself. that's my world so fuck off voldemort fuck <laughs> off it was i'm sorry it was seeing... so fucking weird <laughs> <laughs> he had the a he had a nose and b he was not wearing a nazi uniform because i swear everything i've seen him in where he's not voldemort he's been a nazi <laughs> And see, he's the ni- he's the good guy in a way. I know. The nice guy. And you're like, okay. Uh, the nice guy who also uh, apparently went to the same school of American accents as Benedict Cumberbatch. That was... was so, it was so, it was. I w- oh, yep. That sure is a British person doing an American accent. That's what that was. He's My- a great actor. He's a great actor. Dialects are not his strong suit. <sighs> Do you want to talk about um, what's his name? Kevin Spacey for a hot soccer? Should we just like <laughs> mm, Kevin, Spacey. Kevin Spacey plays a weirdo creep. 
and moving on. Uh, <laughs> it was interesting that in both movies, the antagonist was a, I, w- I don't want to call her the antagonist though, because like they, they were, uh, for Sigourney Weaver, it was, yes, she was manipulative and everything and possibly lying and, you know, trying to take over for everything, but like das business. I mean, we've seen, <laughs> yeah. we've seen movies where men do that all the time. So why not women? Right. No, she was very much like, she was like a woman who was trying to make it in a man's world by being as low down and dirty as most of the men are. Um, right. And then, and um, made in Manhattan, Natasha Richardson is just, <sighs> is just, I mean, she had, mm. She's she, in some ways sympathetic and in other ways it's like, ooh, don't ooh. say that. Do not ooh. say that. Do not act that way. No, <laughs> no. Amy Sedaris, I'm looking at you too. Oh no, Amy Sedaris is just straight up a racist who needed as, to get out. <laughs> as much as I love Amy Sedaris, that character made me want to punch her in the face multiple times. Oh, she's so ugh. But like the what caused uh, Natasha Richardson's character to become the villain was antagonist? just antagonist was that she was like trying to claim Ray Fiennes. Yeah. In a way. Because she's she's horny. Right. And she to be fair to her, too, she also like there was a case of mistaken identity where he sent her an invitation for a lunch for a lunch date and then didn't correct it when she showed up instead of JLo. So Mm. like she was under the impression that he was interested in her. Um, So it's like a weird situation where it's like, I mean, I kind of don't. And like, also she did catch on the security cameras, JLo trying on her clothes and then leaving with them. Well, didn't she first see it in the newspaper? Yeah, I can't remember. I kind I kind of blocked this movie out. <laughs> um, I think she saw it in the newspaper, but like it wasn't it wasn't enough of her face to like confirm. No, it. wait, no, she didn't see it in the newspaper. She saw it on. You're right. She saw it on the video surveillance where she's like, "That's my coat," or yeah. whatever. And like that was like a thing where it's like, yeah, that was a coat that she was about to send back to Dolce and Gabbana so like she could have gotten in trouble and had to pay for it if it got dirty or something which I thought it did when that newspaper stuck to her butt I don't know how it didn't get dirty I was like there's gum there (laughs) (laughs) nope just double stick tape (laughs) yep (laughs) so what was I gonna say Oh, another thing that I liked about both movies, but it was a stronger element in Made in Manhattan. I really liked the camaraderie between the main characters and their respective like coworkers. Like I mm. love all my favorite parts of Made in Manhattan were all of the maids like hanging out and like just being gal pals together. Especially um, the main friend, even it's though I, even though I kind of didn't like her at points because like she's the whole like reason she she started all the conflict she started the conflict and she didn't even like be like oh my fault yeah there wasn't even like a reckoning for it (laughs) like if if there was just like a point at the end where like she acknowledged what she did and like apologized i would have been like fine off the hook by the way (laughs) i I texted this to you and i'm gonna say it now on the podcast i fucking hated the kid (laughs) 
I fucking hated that kid. Uh, he was, I have a much, I feel like I generally have a higher tolerance for children in movies than you do. It's true, you do. But um, it felt like he was in the rom-com. Yeah, no, he and- felt very out of place. He was just like, he was just like a touch too precocious. Yeah, he felt he he felt like all the straight relatives in Single All the Way, the gay Netflix movie, and I was just like, (laughs) they knew him for a week, a fucking week. He was obsessed with that Senate. First of all, well, he's a he's a candidate at that point, I guess, not a senator yet. But he like has his like voting record memorized. Get out of here, kid. Get out. He's a dork, and he. There's a reason why you get bullied at school. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's cool that you like the 70s and you're into the music and everything. Because, hey, that's fine. Yeah. But, like, why are you into Why are you into Nixon and Kissinger? Why are you into that? Get out of here, kiddo. I I say this as somebody who was a major dork also at that same age and was obsessed with politics of a bygone era. I mean, and like I said, I had the same feelings about Joan Cusack when she was trying to get um, Melanie Griffith back with Alec Baldwin. I don't know yeah. character names. I blacked them out. Uh, um, Tess McGill. Yeah, because she says it 7,000 times. <laughs> and Catherine Parker. <laughs> um, and I think Joan Cusack's character was named Sin. Sin or Cynthia. Cause they, yeah. They, they say sometimes but yeah i mean they both had like that because you know in made in manhattan it's both the kid and the friend that have the same thing that joan cusack has yeah where you're just like do you really have to be that person right now yeah and then her mom the um <laughs> in made in manhattan yeah, mom, Priscilla Lopez. Just... welcome back to the pod we talked about her in our center stage episode we did. She was the, the jazz class teacher. Forget the steps and dance the shit out of it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I love you in that movie. I hated you in this one, too. <laughs> Where it was like... It was a little weird, because, you know, I feel like no matter what, I feel like parents want their kids to, you know, succeed. And yeah. yes, you want to be a little realistic about dreams, but, like... She's not saying that she's running for president of the universe. She's yeah. saying she just wants to be a manager at a hotel. Like, how hard is that? That's like completely reasonable. And like, obviously she's skilled enough to do it. Yeah. And like, also Melanie Griffith just wants to do stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't understand I mean, any all, of what they Gr- do. Yeah. It's all Wall Street bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's I mean, like whatever she does, it's like made up stuff. Like, that's just stuff that people made up so that they could have jobs where they have lots of money and the rest of us go, okay, I guess it means something. But you know what? I don't think it means anything at all. Mergers and acquisitions. I <laughs> I know what those words mean. Right, yeah. Like, theoretically, I know what they're doing. But, like, practically, oh. I don't know what they're doing. Oh, every scene that they were talking shop, I was just like, what are you saying? Yeah. That's how I feel when I watch Trading Places as well. So like, <laughs> maybe it's me. Yeah, no, no, it's not just you. I feel like that was a real thing in like a lot of 80s movies though. Like, I mean, there's, you know, Wall Street was a movie and everything. Glengarry, Glen Ross, mm. like just like these movies about being a person who works in finance and doing these jobs that are like 
theoretically, I understand what you're doing, but also I think it's all made up. I think you're just saying numbers that don't exist. (laughs) I mean, they would, they, they talk points and other things. And, you know, she, when she explains her roundabout way of coming up with the idea. I was just like, I honestly have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I was like, well, she sure is a genius because I'm not and I don't know what she's saying. But I like the signature hairstyle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do love how it's so 80s, though. It's so 80s. Joan Cusack. <laughs> Fucking love her styling. I the know. Makeup, the, the, the makeup. The eyeshadow. Eyeshadow going to the brow. And my god and, and then doing like like stripes of colors in it amazing <laughs> incredible why are you trying to get melanie griffith back with alec baldwin why would you do that that's a terrible friend but like i love what you're doing with your face i love i love your makeup i love your clothing choices i love your hair why are you a terrible friend <laughs> <laughs> exactly but like also a good friend because like she pretends to be uh, 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 the secretary, her secretary and everything. Yeah, no, she she does like uh, in a lot of ways show a lot of support and do things to help her along. She's just also like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I think you should not do that. Yes. Um, but she was very happy for her when she got her own office in the end. Because isn't that uh, the American dream? Yeah, that it was also what was also very weird about this movie is that there were moments that they were talking, but you don't hear them. Yeah. Like the whole ending. Great. You want to listen to the Carly Simon song. But like, what did Joan Cusack shout in her pit of like co-workers? <laughs> I, I, I that was me. I got to say though, I, I, I liked the ending of working girl more than the ending of made in Manhattan, because um, you get that sense of triumph, you know, this is what she's been working for. And yes, she did work for a a woman before as a secretary, but like now she has a secretary and, you know, I hope, I hope Tess McGill learned from her past and is not going to be a Royal bitch to her secretary. Um, I mean, my heart says she will be good to her. My head says, realistically, people don't do that. They do become monsters once they get a little bit of power. But I I mean, I hope it's a slow progression and not just like three months later and she's a raging bitch. I want to say another word, but I'm not. (laughs) Hunt. Yeah. I'll say it. I'll say it. (laughs) Um, Women reclaimed it. You can say it. (laughs) Um, but you know, to be fair to her, she is also, she's from Staten Island. Uh, she didn't, she oh, went that's to right. night school. That, she didn't you know, go. Cause that was the whole thing was that she was competing for all these higher jobs with people who went to Harvard. So her resume got thrown out right away. You know, what's really interesting too, in both movies, it's set in New York, but like New York is not a character as it tip stereotypically is in movies like this. Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like you could set Working Girl and, Ma- and Made in Manhattan in any metropolitan city in America, and it'll still be the same. Like, Made in it could Manhattan be... was not originally called Made in Manhattan, I'll just say that. But like, you know, I feel like you could set it in Chicago, LA, Miami. Yeah. Like, um, you could pick any... I feel, uh, I feel like, though, for 
uh, working girl. It has to be more of like a business based yeah. city than saying, you know, like Denver, like that'll, right. it won't work there. <laughs> I mean, New York makes more sense for working girl because like it is the financial central. Yeah. It's, it's a wall street thing, but yeah, it could still work in a lot of other major cities. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, made in Manhattan, it could be any hotel. It right. Could be, it could be in Vegas, you know? I mean, I guess yes. a well-respected politician was probably not trying to spend too much time in Vegas, but like still. Yeah. Also, I'm not going to lie. Made in Manhattan seemed a little outdated, even though it was in 2002. Like it's 20 years old, but like, yeah. it, I felt like the script was written maybe in the 90s. I've, and got, like, I've got things to say. Okay, great. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy you actually did work and I'm not going to read from IMDb again. But I um, no, no, I, I will get to uh, that stuff in special features. But yes, I agree. Like even just kind of, it's interesting. And this was during the Bush years. This was pre-Trump. This is pre-Sarah Palin, whatever. But like, it is interesting that like the hero is a Republican. <laughs> Yeah, that it's interesting that they gave him a party in the first place, because a lot of movies with politicians as main characters try to avoid naming a party. They'll just say the politician. Yeah, yeah. Um, Unless it's like based off of a real person. Um, But it is interesting that they made him a Republican. Um, But to be fair, 2002 Republican, at least as far as relations with the latin community let me put it that way were different than they are now Mm. meaning Mm. less openly racist um but also they kept saying that like he did good work with environmental programs which is never a thing that republicans have been concerned with i i they were trying to make him like too good of a guy like harrison ford is just the, is again just the cool guy. He's Han Solo the whole time. Yeah, but like, he's a little bit scummy. Oh, he, he's like just a touch scummy in this movie. But you're also like, okay, but he's making up for it too. Right, but he's he's they don't paint him out. Uh, paint uh, make him out to be like the super clean cut nice guy that everyone is going to fall in love with. You know, right. he Harrison Ford has some demons. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I mean, he is like he's technically cheating on Catherine the entire time he's with Tess until the very end of the movie. Uh, we just accept that. Well, first of all, it's okay because we don't know at first. We don't well, know we at don't first. Know at first. But then when right. we find out, we're like, okay, well, it's okay because a Catherine's a bitch, and we don't like her. B, uh, he's clearly actually in love with Tess, and like you're allowed to cheat if it's true love, you know. According to movies. <laughs> exactly. And shady. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not okay to cheat, but it does lessen it a little bit if it's like, well, you really fell in love with that other person. So what was I going to do? Just stand in the way? <laughs> yeah. Um, but then also knowing that he was planning on breaking up with her in the first place and just didn't have the chance to do it yet and didn't want to break up with her while she was in the hospital. But like he also lied to Tess at the beginning, like at the beginning of their quote unquote relationship. Yeah. 
Oh, that's uh, another thing these movies both have in common. Both of them during the meet cute, there's a case of mistaken identity that it was maybe not an accident. But in Made in Manhattan, we're talking about JLo's character, not the not right. Ray Fines. Right. Oh, she recognized him right away. But like yeah. her friend, her friend Stephanie was like, oh, was it Caroline? I don't know. She's like, oh, Caroline. So then Ray Fiennes thinks that her name is Caroline. Why? Why? She could have still been Marissa. He's not going to hear the name Marissa and be like, oh, that's the maid. On what planet is somebody who looks like J-Lo named Caroline? (laughs) But also when he was trying to describe her to Bob Hoskins and he's like, uh, she's like Mediterranean looking. No. Just say hot. She's fucking hot. Hot, she's, hot, hot. She's She's got a booty. Just say that. The one big, with the ass that won't booty. quit. Because as we all know, J-Lo is the only woman with a butt in those days. It's true. In 2002. <laughs> Skinny we Minnie was the in thing at that time. I mean, we were just getting out of heroin chic, but we were into like skinny. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Terrible I mean, times. The, Don't bring them back. And uh, and also, like, I know Sigourney Weaver and Melanie Griffith and even Joan Cusack are, like, they're skinny, you know, yeah. but, like, they seemed, like, average person skinny, not actress right. skinny. That was one thing I really loved about, um, especially Melanie Griffith, given how much of this movie she spends, like, in lingerie or whatever. Like, she's, like, yeah, she's a tiny woman, but it's also, like, well, she's not at the gym every day right or or it's not like uh, they they have some curves to them you know right yeah they're, it's like they're oh not that's just like what a strict. normal person looks like now granted uh we don't really see Joan Cusack's figure because she's wearing the 80st of 80s <laughs> clothing <laughs> I think the only character in the history of cinema who out 80s Joan Cusack in Working Girl is the one girl from uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 with, like, the super high hair? Or or Judy from Sleepaway Camp. Oh, my God, you're right, Judy. Or Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> <laughs> Sleepaway, the entire thing. But, like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that happened. Yeah. So going back to, because you were talking about the endings before and how Working Girl had that bigger moment of triumph, it does feel like, and a lot of it is just because of what ends up being the final scene in both movies, um, it does feel like in Made in Manhattan, the focus is a little bit more on the romance and the career stuff, and then Working Girl, the focus is a little bit more on the career stuff than the romance. Mm-hmm. because the final scene in Made in Manhattan isn't her getting the job. It's her getting together with Ray Fiennes. Yeah, um, but then, but then we but see then we in the, montage, the, the montage of, of magazine covers, which yeah. was a thing. Which, yeah, that was a thing. Um, but I'm like, I don't know if that counts so much because we don't get to actually see her like running this managerial school. We just see like a headline about it. I'll allow it. <laughs> so, like, I'll, I'll, I'll allow your point of not <laughs> counting it as the ending. Yeah, because it's it's pictures. Yeah, it's just like an add-on. Yeah, 
they I, they that probably had it ha, that probably happened during like reshoots or something because they were like well i i don't i don't know if this is a trivia or anything i i didn't really read i read some of the trivia on uh made in manhattan but like i don't know if they did like poor test screenings that they were just like okay we gotta slap together something at the end there and yeah it kind of did feel like that though yeah take still pictures of everyone don't get them back to we'll just we'll just the we'll photoshop everything home. together yeah god that was some bad photoshop on those <laughs> 2002 baby oh boy oh my god <laughs> i think that's all i really want i had yeah that's most of... of what i wanted to say too i just have a question for you and I may have an answer. Which couple did you believe more? Melanie Griffith and Harrison Ford or Jennifer Lopez and Ray Fiennes? Melanie Griffith and Harrison Ford. Uh-huh. 100%. That's another thing that was very bizarre about Made in Manhattan for me was that like we're supposed to believe that they basically fall in love at first sight and like are like like they keep talking about like oh we had this connection after the first time they met and it's like bitch you barely spoke and you didn't even say anything real about your life you knew him for a fucking week at least with (laughs) um working girl like they were working together and they were doing late nights and yes they met under false pretenses on one half of the couple but like i i'll i'll forgive that right because you can tell that like maybe a week also passed in that movie who knows but like they were like working like they right. were they were together a lot of the time it wasn't just like dates right and it was like in a lot of different situations where like you could be like well i could see my life with this person you know i could see because like they go to the wedding and they I, was go about to, to- I was about to say they crashed a fucking wedding yeah like, like just spontaneously and, then- and that was fun but then they did like business meetings together too it was like different settings that they were working together and then they were so hot after a business meeting that they fucked. Mm, yeah, that's what I do after a business meeting. I'm going to fuck right after this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I'm alone in my house. I can't do that. I I, I mean, I, I could, sad- I guess. I sadly live alone. Oh, do you want to <laughs> special features? Can we? Can sure. we please? Okay, great. special features this is the section of our podcast where john and i each take a movie and we do a little further research on it uh and we try to share some of the fun stuff that we learned about behind the scenes stories random trivia facts whatever we try to amuse each other if not blow each other's minds which to be fair is the goal uh and hopefully you our dear listener also finds it very entertaining this week, John took Working Girl. I did Made in Manhattan since Working Girl came out first in the greatest year that's ever existed. Best year ever. Mm-hmm. Yes. John, you go first. So um, I'm literally just reading from the IMDb <laughs> trivia fine. page because some of them are insane. <laughs> um, according to casting director Juliet Taylor, 
quote, Mike and I had already kind of fallen for Alec Baldwin and wanted him to play Jack, but the studio was catatonic about that. They did not want two unknowns in the leads. End quote. Producer Douglas Wick recalls, quote, so Mike had to call Alec and say, look, I'm really sorry. The circumstances have changed. Would you would you do this other part? Alec understood and was so lovely about it. He came in and really nailed that character. It was an awkward adjustment. End quote. I have no idea what the fuck is happening in that. Okay. <laughs> but I just wanted to read it because I was like, this is weird. Um, is, wait, that is interesting though, because I did think while watching it, and like I've seen this movie before, but like every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, it's so weird that Alec Baldwin is in this movie about Wall Street as not one of the Wall Street guys. Cause that's right. like like Jack Donaghy is, I mean, he's not Wall Street per se, but he's like a big like money guy. And like Yeah, he he gives off big big money energy yeah and he was in glengarry glenn ross which was about like truck stock traders (laughs) hedge funds i don't know all that shit carly simon's let the river run which was featured heavily in this movie Mm, was the first was the first of only two songs to win an oscar golden globe and grammy while being written composed and performed by a single artist the other one is Bruce Springsteen's Bruce Springsteen's Streets of Philadelphia from Philadelphia. Oh. That's nifty. We really don't talk about the music. We no. <laughs> no, especially if we're not doing musicals. Okay, so buckle up kiddos. This one's really weird. Melanie Griffith was named Miss Golden Globes 1975 as a teenager. Miss Golden Globes, now uh, now known as Golden Globes Ambassador, is an award show presenter position given to the daughters or now sometimes the sons of famous parents who themselves have entertainment industry aspirations. She later won a competitive Golden Globe for her acting work in Working Girl. She is not the uh she is not the only person who has ever done that laura dern miss golden globes 1982 has Mm -hmm. also won several golden globes um where's the one about sigourney weaver's age i I might be wrong about this but i think dakota johnson was also once a golden globe ambassador wait that is that i i saw that er earlier too and i didn't write it down because there was something about uh fuck where is it no i didn't see that but i saw this Mel- uh dakota johnson uses melanie's working girl promotion speech in D- in the movie 50 shades darker oh <laughs> <laughs> that's fun yeah <laughs> um Catherine Parker is said to be turning 30 years old, where actually Sigourney Weaver was turning 39 at the time of the movie was made. But then we know Catherine is a liar, so maybe she's really lying about her age. (laughs) However, if you scroll down further, another trivia about this is say Catherine Parker says she's turning 30 in about a week, making her almost the same age as Tess McGill. Her age is reinforced by her fundraising letter to her fellow Wesley alumna, 
which contains the information that they graduated eight years before. Many students graduate at 22, sometimes having to drop out or having to drop and repeat classes, making Catherine now 30. In contrast to Tess, Catherine did not have to spend eight years taking college courses. She was from a wealthy family and had connections to help her along. This is what I mean when I said the trivia section of Working Girl and IMDb is insane. <laughs> I really, I admire the commitment of people to fact check the movie by freeze framing on that letter. I, I really, you know, commend people for their uh, commitment to sparkle motion. Um, <laughs> I uh, question it. <laughs> <laughs> Melanie Griffith and Carly Simon both dated Warren Beatty in real life. That's in this trivia section. Good for Warren Beatty. I'm sorry, I just came across this one. This is great. Tess, the name, comes from Thomas Hardy's famous epic novel, Tess of the... Duberville. Duberville, yeah. A commoner in 19th century Britain who finds out she's royalty, much like Melanie Griffith, is a commoner in this movie who figures out she can become corporate royalty. McGill, the name, is another in a long line of movie and television character names that have a Scottish or Irish surname tacked on to make them sound cute or plucky. MacGyver, Ally McBeal, Juno McGuff, Lizzie McGuire, Mick O'Brien, Mrs. McGonagall, McMillan, and wife. Yeah, us, us Irish Americans are known for our pluck. Yes, and sound cute. <laughs> this is very interesting. Harrison Ford, Kevin Spacey, and Alec Baldwin all have played the role of the President of the United States in Air Force One, House of Cards, and Alec Baldwin playing Donald Trump uh, on SNL. <laughs> respectively. Wow. wow. While Sigourney Weaver has played the role of the first lady in Dave. Yeah. Wow. You should. Okay, if we, you, gotta, we have to do a Melanie Griffith as POTUS movie. Or, or, or can she, oh, can she play Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> I did the, I did the Nancy Pelosi clap everyone. That's I, don't, I know. Was. I know this is a audio <laughs> medium, whatever. I think I'm I'm calling it done. What do you got? <laughs> All right. So Made in Manhattan was originally not called Made in Manhattan at all. It was not supposed to be directed by Wayne Wade. It was not supposed to star Jennifer Lopez. It was actually supposed to be called Chambermaid, which was set in 1920s Chicago. That's how it was written by John Hughes. It was going to be directed by John Hughes and it was going to star Hilary Swank. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and so obviously it would have been quite a different movie because it would have been a different time period. Working at a hotel would make a lot more sense. Yeah, I think a lot of things about that movie would make a lot more sense. Um, was there a kid? Tell me there was no kid. I don't think it. there was. I'm pretty sure that was something that they that Wade, uh, Kevin Wade added when uh, they they 2000s rom com did up. Mm. Um, yeah, the movie languished in development for a while and then just sort of died out. 
Then it got picked up by a studio. They had Kevin rewrite the movie. John Hughes still got the credit, but he wasn't happy with the fact that they changed it so much. So he asked for them to use his pseudonym, Eduardo Dantes. Is it um, Eduardo or Edmund? Oh, I Edmund. have Edmund. Sorry, I had it wrong in my head. I wasn't reading. It's okay. It, Edmund Dantes, you're right. And then when they updated it and set it in New York, made it more of a modern day rom-com instead of this more historical fiction piece. <laughs> I don't I don't know how funny it was necessarily. I don't know if this was John Hughes trying to like be more dramatic. Uh, but either way, they modernized it and they originally wanted Sandra Bullock to play Marissa. Oh. After, I think she passed on it willingly. And then I think Julia Roberts was approached. She passed on it. Mini Driver at one point was attached. I don't know what happened there. And then eventually it fell into JLo's lap. So Marissa was not intentionally supposed to be Latin at any point or Latina at any point um, until JLo was cast, uh, which does, I think, add a, I think a lot of those scenes where the guests at the hotel are interacting with her lack a lot of punch if she's white. Yes. Like, it just kind of, especially Amy, with Amy Sedaris's character. I was about to say that. Amy Sedaris, like, what? <laughs> so I don't know. I guess, like, that would have been more just about her being classist than anything else. But that just kind of doesn't really work in a modern-day American movie as much as, like, being racist no. does. <laughs> um, no. To, like, code somebody immediately as a villain or an antagonistic uh, character. The gown that Jennifer Lopez wears to the dinner. I read about this one. That was a vintage gown from the 1950s. I haven't found anywhere who the designer was. Yeah, I didn't see that, but I, I did read that like some woman reached out to her and was like, I wanted to wear this at my prom, but like, I yeah. couldn't find it. <laughs> yep, it's because it's from the 50s. Uh, the Harry Winston diamond necklace that she wears to the ball. The Harry Winston diamond necklace. The Harry Winston wreath uh, is worth $5.8 million. Jesus Christ. That's gross. Goodbye. That's really gross. Why is that a necklace? Yes. Why like, is that a necklace? What? <laughs> Uh, here's just a fun fact behind the scenes. Natasha Richardson, dearly beloved, she was married to Liam Neeson, who in real life is very good friends with Ray Fiennes. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, I that's liked nice. that. That's, that's that's sweet. That's a nice thing. That's a nice thing. Yeah. Not not insane like the stuff on uh, Working Girl, but that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to wrap it up by saying that Ray Fiennes has gone on record saying he regretted making this movie. Mm, I wonder oh. why. <laughs> Final thoughts. In this section, we ask ourselves, each other, ourselves and each other, a series of questions, typically a variation of the same five questions. I will start off with, can we think of any movies like these two? One just popped into my head. 
Yes. Go with me on this. Okay. The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a career based story that also has a romantic plot that's very prominent. But like Anne Hathaway's life goes to shit instead of like her getting into a new relationship. Right? Yeah. I'm going to be honest, it's been a hot minute since I've seen that movie. Great. And, and then, and then also there's like Emily Blunt and Meryl Streep are kind of like the antagonist if you fuse them together. Yeah. And there's definitely, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily like a classist thing, but there is like a snobbery um, with how they look down at Anne Hathaway's character. Yeah, because she doesn't know fashion at first. Right. Um, but that's and, also and, interesting because that kind of goes two ways because her original uh, attitude, if I'm remembering correctly, her original attitude was that fashion doesn't matter. So it's yes. kind of like a two-way street. Also, that movie had Stanley Tucci. Ah! Stanley Tucci. The Tucci. The Tucci. Uh, I'm just going to say it because you mentioned it earlier, a Cinderella story. <laughs> Because it's a modern day Cinderella story. Um, But that's about a high schooler. That doesn't really have much to do with her. Well, she does have college ambitions. She wants to get into, I think, Princeton in that movie. So ambitions of sorts. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yes. The romance just happens. Well, it's also Disney, right? I'm pretty sure it is. So a romance has to happen. Yeah. Well, it's Hilary Duff. It's Hilary Duff. And it's early 2000s. (laughs) uh moving on did we like these movies like is a relative term i didn't i didn't hate made in manhattan i didn't hate them i like working girl i've liked working girl for a long time that's also a movie that like my parents always really liked so it was on a lot when i was a kid okay um I've, i've only seen it twice it's extremely 80s i'll say that Yes. Like even just their attitude towards work is extremely 80s. <laughs> like it's um yeah. Yes. Everything everything is just it's just so 80s and then yeah. <laughs> Made in Manhattan is just so 2002 with everything. It sure is. Um sure, It sure is. <laughs> yeah. So I thought they were both fine. I liked Working Girl. I would say I liked Working Girl. I wouldn't say I liked Made in Manhattan, but I didn't necessarily dislike it either. Would we watch these movies again? Probably not. Yeah, I'm not quite No offense to Working Girl. No offense to Working Girl. I like like Working Girl just fine. I've seen it enough times though. Like I don't need to watch it again in my life. I definitely don't need to rewatch Made in Manhattan. No, no. Uh, would we recommend these movies? Sure. Depends on the audience. I would say like, you know, if it's on, just watch it. <laughs> I would, here, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't necessarily recommend either of them, but if somebody told me that they were interested in watching either of them, I'd be like, okay. Made in Manhattan on HBO Max. Not sponsored, but like, sure. Just like, yeah. Listen, I'm just yeah. saying there are a lot of really terrible rom-coms from the early to mid 2000s that you could be wasting your time on instead. And Made this, in Manhattan is like, fine. It's just a mediocre one. It's not yeah. like good. It's not like bad. There are very few actual laughs in it. Mm-hmm. And then yes. the story itself is so cliche. Yes. But like, I think JLo is pretty good in it. Yeah, this is like one of her first, like, like after post Selena, like two yeah. thousands acting gigs, right? 
I think so. I think like it was this and the wedding planner came out around the same time. And that's like what made her a staple of the Mm -hmm. Mm rom-com. And then like her career was rom-coms for a very long time. Like, yeah, because then it was like the music and the rom-com and then the acting like surpassed the music, unfortunately. I'm waiting for tonight. Uh... (laughs) All right. And our final question. Are these movies actually the same? Dear God, yes. Yeah, they are. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's it's two weeks in a row of me watching movies. And I'm just like, fuck me. (laughs) Yeah, no, they're very. I do like rom-coms. I do. I honestly, dear listener and shady. I do (laughs) like rom-coms. It's just. Being forced to watch them isn't that much fun. <laughs> yeah. And like, I have to say, these two movies I do think are rom coms, definitely fall under that umbrella, but they are not super funny for the most part. I mean, out of the last four movies we watched for this podcast, How to Be Single is number one for me. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, that one was at least entertaining. There were good chuckles and laughter, not just a chortle. Um, but yes, it was great. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for this episode. <laughs> yeah. You did it. We did it. If you want to follow either of us and talk about how bad we are for not properly appreciating these movies or yell at us because we didn't hate them enough. And like, or you agree just like with us. Yeah. Or agree with us. Well, you can follow me at Cookie O'Shady on Twitter. What kind of dessert are you today, Shady? I am. Uh, oh, I have one. I have one. I have go one. Go for it. A New York style cheesecake. Oh, that's it. That's it. Because mm-hmm. these are both New York, New York baby. The mm-hmm. Mets. They they don't eat cheesecake in any of them, but you are yeah. a New York cheesecake. <laughs> um, and John, where can the people follow you? I mean, you could kind of follow me uh, on Twitter at Movies John. <laughs> I sometimes post on there. I also have another podcast that I did watch Working Girl for for the first time uh, for one of the episodes for the Bob's Burger episode where it, they made a musical out of that and Die Hard. Um, <laughs> so you could follow my other podcast, Life's But a Song, uh, everywhere at But a Song Pod. Um, and you know my my personal Twitter, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if you want to email us, you can at moviedejavupod at gmail.com. That is M-O-V-I-E-D-E-J-A-V-U-P-O-D at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at moviedejavupod, same spelling. And uh, we're on Twitter at moviedejavu. No pod. Why is that shady? Because it got into a skiing accident and broke its leg. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're still kind of in a rom com mood. Yeah, I guess we are. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Uh, but we're talking about Victor Victoria and Connie and Carla. Go follow your dreams and don't be afraid to fall in love. That's all I'm going to say this week. I'm going to agree with you. Aw. Bye, everyone! (laughs) See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. 
see me and Julio down by the schoolyard. 